You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Tina Amini, Justin Davis, Scoop, and Sam Claiborne. Scoopies. And we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to play the fan favorite game, Real Mature Video Games. We are going to flip through the October 1994 issue of Electronic Games. Yeah, that's right. Electronic Games. But first, let's begin with uh, PS5. Marvel Spider-Man and the save files that will not be transferring from PS4 to PS5. So uh, Marvel's Spider-Man PS4 save files will not work with the PS5 remaster. And let's all take a moment to appreciate uh, the writer of our news article, Jordan Alleman's strapline, no homecoming. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, if you purchase the ultimate edition of uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales to get Spider- Marvel Spider-Man remastered on PS5, you, you can't transfer your, your, your save from the PS4 version. So if, you're, if you've already started that game, uh, and you're, 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 your progress is going to, you're going to have to start all over again. Gosh, I, my mind is blanking, but there's something with like Steam and Switch, like your save and progress carries over just because they're storing it in their own personal cloud. And like, it's so nice. It feels so cozy to be able to pick up a game on any screen and any platform and all your progress is there and all your stats are there. And like, yeah, video games need to come together with some sort of consortium where they have an agreement on like save file standards and like wherever you're playing this game you can just take it with you on from platform to platform that's how it should be within its own ecosystem too it's like playstation 4 to 5 come on 
Mm-hmm. I was going to make the joke, like, maybe they just really know that you want an excuse to replay the whole thing from from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like, realistically, it's something that um, we've valued. And then when you think about, like, narrative games that translate over series, like, one of the cool new trends over the last few years has been, okay, you have Mass Effect 1, and it, your choices from 1 will translate to 2, will translate to 3. So I think it's set a new precedent where people have that ownership over their games and so even if you are going to play from scratch or do a new game plus or whatever it's so much better to be able to replay on your own terms rather than feeling like you lost progress because nothing's more infuriating than that and it's one of the reasons why nintendo got a lot of flack over the switch because they didn't have cloud saving for the longest time and that's the kind of thing that like will terrify people man i I have a little bit of a rant on this you just reminded me of tina that the uh back in the game facts you know era you could go download saves for basically your gamecube or your ps2 or whatever and like that was kind of a way people cheated is that they would download somebody else's save but it also meant that you could do things which you can't do with contemporary games because they're all saves are so controlled online where you could like play a really cool character that somebody built in another game or even Mm. better if you wanted to replay the games that i'm playing right now the old mario 3d games you could download a save put it on your system and then like play the back half of that game. And I'm never going to see the back half of Mario Sunshine ever again. I see that first half over and over and over again. Then I give up. I'd love to see the back half of that game. But like I would need to like get somebody saved to do that or, or play through the whole first part again. I really like that idea of being able to play with a after I beat a game, I should be able to like access any part of it. We I think got, it's like I was just gonna say we have an email we, on that very subject that we'll we'll talk about in just a little bit. Really? First, yeah. We'll Go ahead, Justin. That now. Okay. <laughs> And I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to talk over people. I think I'm on a little delay. Um, sure. uh, as long as I'm describing a video game utopia where there should be a consortium where they have save standards. Another thing I want to see is like, there should be a grace period where like, I don't know, two years after a game comes out, they just release that the keys to that game to the consumer. And like, okay, here's your level select. You know, here's your God mode. Here's your whatever, like fly through the map, like spawn enemies, do whatever you want. Like, that should be a thing. I like make it five years, make it whatever you want. We're like, now here you go. Go nuts in our game. Like have fun with it. You, you bought it, you own it. And now we're going to hand you over the keys to it and you can go nuts. Yeah. That was so fun. And like, like in Goldeneye, for example, it was the best. Yeah, I, I love the concept of chapter selects because occasionally you just want to like see how a different narrative choice might play out or you just really love the boss battle and you want to replay that one section, but you don't want to have happen to make a save just beforehand. Like there are so many games where I have a zillion saves and I forget the context for half of them anyway. So <laughs> cycling through to be able to play the part I want isn't the most reasonable. Um, so love that kind of world too. But I think the argument um, just to play devil's advocate would probably be something along the lines of like, well, you know, you have to earn that experience and there's something to the discovery of it that's part of the, the you know, overall formula or, you know, stumbling on it yourself to give the community an opportunity to be the ones to introduce those things i think is like part of the fun but i imagine after you know a five-year contingency like if, if people just were going to discover it it would have been by that five-year or whatever two-year mark or whatever else mm-hmm. i mean rockstar is famous for like saying like we like our story and trust our narrative enough that it'll draw you in and you can also break our game at the same time like i mm-hmm. love how from the very start they're like here's a bunch of cheat codes break the crap out of it and that's fine yeah. They're like, that takes bravery. And it used to be a bravery that was absolutely universal. When I started IGN, my job was to only be our cheats editor. And every game that came out had something. 
at either a cheat code or a button input system or something that you had locked by doing something complicated. And it was just a constant churn of like cheating and breaking games. And I know mod communities have replaced that now, but it's so inaccessible. And I wish people had trust in in gamers to break their own games. I think it's like my favorite thing. Yeah, on the well, it's also note, it's the only. Go ahead. I was just gonna say really quick that on the Rockstar note, it's uh, it's there. It's very much about they build worlds, but they also build mm -hmm. playgrounds, and that's why they like people to go wild in it. Mm -hmm. What was that, Justin? Mm -hmm. We uh, video games are the only medium that like don't like you can flip to the end of a book and read the last page if you want to. <laughs> like you get to the end of the Lord of the Rings, and Sam's like, "Well, I'm back." And then you're like, "Okay, I guess I know how this ends." Um, Spoiler. And like, there's. Yeah, it is a little, maybe. It's It's been, what, 60 years, so I think we're all right. Um, and, and, like, video games are the only, the, only, the only art form and the only medium on Earth that's closed off that way, that, like, you don't have control over how you consume it and enjoy it and, like, be able to skip around and redo your favorite stuff and rewatch your favorite stuff. Like, you pass a section in a game, and in many instances, you just can't go back. Like, feels bad. There's it's also just, going forward, like L.A. Noir does, where they let you skip over certain scenes. It's like, all right, you've tried three times. You, you probably want to move on at this point, right? And that's definitely not standard at all. But I kind of loved that it gave you the option in case you did want to do the skip ahead thing to the last chapter. It's a little uncanny how closely you guys are describing yeah, this, this email that we got this week. So I'm well, just going to... I'm going to point out, this is Jay in Salt Lake City, and he says, there's been some discussion about how the save files for Marvel's Spider-Man on PS4 won't carry over to the remastered version. It's got me wondering about the importance that save files play and how we experience games media. If you buy a book or television series or movie, you can skip to the final chapter or jump around to whatever scenes or episodes you want. Generally, people understand it's best to experience these forms of media in sequence from beginning to end. But the only thing I can compare it to games is courseware. I'm an instructional designer where the media experience is contained within a learning management system that tracks your progress, gives you credit as you complete or pass different parts of the learning experience, and unlocks more advanced material when prerequisites have been satisfied. Is this really the best way for games to work, though? Is there any reason game developers can't trust players to navigate their own experience, or does that break something fundamental about a game as an entertainment product? What do you all think? And I, if I didn't know better, I'd say you guys were snooping on the GameScoop emails. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, we would never do that. That, I, that, not, I think... that would not be the way we accomplish learning information about GameScoop <laughs> ahead of time, is what I would say about that. Hmm. Um, however, um, I have a really relevant anecdote to this. I played the beginning of uh, Star Wars Squadrons three times this week. And here's why. I played through the tutorial and it's about, you know, 45 minutes or something. And then I paused it and then, you know, you can just put your, your system into sleep mode and it's yeah. the best thing ever. Yeah. You pop back in and play. When I turned my game back on after being in sleep mode, everybody was, every ship and everything was at fast forward and there was nothing I could do about it. <laughs> so I would just be like run into a wall or, or, or a good shot or whatever, but everything was like zooming around like crazy. And so I was like, oh, that was a weird glitch. So I, I replayed that all. And then I replayed it all and got back to the hangar. I was like, okay, this is probably a safe place because it's not out, out in space where I'm fighting. And I come back to my game and every damn droid and alien in the hangar was like zipping around. <laughs> I was totally stuck in fast motion again. And I had to play it again. Maybe you have a feature stuck on there somewhere. Maybe it was intentional. <laughs> well, it was That's really good. If I just restart the mission, like I don't even have to restart the system. If I restart the mission, everything is fine again. But like I like sat there, just like 
like crying, laughing the second time because this droid unit was like popping and go, beep, just fly away, beep, beep, fly away. And that's happened, supposed to happen over the course of like five minutes. It's great. I hope anyway. you captured. I hope you captured footage yeah. of that. I have like 30 seconds of the, the droid thing I, just, I was rolling. But being outside, and it was really funny because I could control the ship and everything was moving, but the game engine was like, you're at 2000 X now. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I think with, no, go I, ahead, Jason. I, I, I just think that commenter is exactly right. And, and I want to circle back to something Tina said a second ago, where it's not just about looking back. It is about looking forward and video games. Again, are the only medium, the only art form where like, your skill like it just stops you like well you literally can't ever see or experience the second half of you know many video games if you you, you know if you if you're unskilled enough if you can't get past it like very few games have a skip mode or some nintendo games have their baby mode that turns on um but like you know it, it feels bad like if you're really hating an episode of a tv show or a section of a book like you know skip 10 pages keep going like it's crazy that games don't let you do that just every game should have a level skip option um and it and it's it's pretty bad that they don't i think about like story driven games like the last of us especially when they're experimenting with themes like really mature themes and progressive themes that you know might really not mature. be yeah exactly um <laughs> we're not cheating i swear um <laughs> we, yeah there's there's things that like I think they may feel worried about if people skip ahead from a narrative perspective that they might miss beats that would help them appreciate uh, the way that a, that a story ends. Because as it is, like that story, um, that storyline uh, wasn't the most palatable for a lot of The Last of Us 1 fans. So imagine if people skipped around, which arguably is what they did because of the leaks of the script where people read the story and weren't able to play through it. Um, I think it's a totally different experience, whereas if you play through the motions, the argument could be said that maybe you have an appreciation for the character arcs and evolutions and some of those story beats, too. But, um, you know, it should be like as an optional choice thing. Uh, I can see how developers would be wary about it impacting the reception to those stories. But I can also see that the L.A. noir style of if you've tried three times and you really just can't progress, but you want to push forward in the story, like, why not let people skip ahead at a point? Yeah. Mm hmm. Seems you know, reasonable. I, the earliest example I can think of level skipping is um, in uh, Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man. You can basically jumper the game board in a way where you can add a button to two, you know, to, to, to two points and you add a button and it connects the two points and it skips a level. And people use that uh, to like kind of just practice. Like you can skip like 10 levels into the Miss Pac-Man and just like play them and practice them or 10 levels into Pac-Man and like learn the mazes. And I think that's like a really cool example of when that happened early on, because otherwise you have to like, you know, do what we're talking about, play through it forever and then learn the later stuff. And it's so much easier just to skip there and learn the hard stuff. Okay, moving on to real mature video games. This is the game where you're going to try to guess uh, a game based on the ESRB description of its mature content. So what you know are right off the bat all, is... Are they all real mature video games? They're all real games that are rated M for mature. And they're all, mm -hmm. they're all games that are upcoming. So that's your other hint. These are games that are Ooh. on the horizon but not out yet as of today. That's a big hint. Yeah, well, okay. I'm a generous game show host. What can I say? And the way uh, the SRV descriptions go, they start out very, dis very specific about what this game is and then get more general about what the mature content is. So I'll be reading these descri descriptions backwards because 
If I read out the first sentence, it would be very obvious what these games are. Okay, there are three games. Round one. Okay. The words F, the F word, and the S word. Baldur's Gate. Game. <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3. What is going on this episode? Can you see my computer screen? No, this is the one thing we accidentally cheated on. And so we figured instead of just painfully sitting here and not answering anything and throwing it to Justin, because Justin wasn't around for when we accidentally cheated. um, Yeah, we decided we just interrupt you. Sorry. (laughs) We saw nothing else, though. I swear, including that. What do you mean you saw nothing else? Then we'll go on to round two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and don't bring up any B-roll for this, Borba, please. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. The F word. Pokemon Snap. The C word. That's not an M game. In the dialogue. The C word. Yeah. That's much worse than the F word. Cyberpunk. Remastered Devil May Cry. No. Oh, that's good. Player's character can engage in drinking contests. Sequences depict the character stumbling as the screen tilts and blurs. Red Dead Redemption 2 isn't coming out again. Yeah. It's it's Valhalla. Assassin's Creed. It is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Nice. Yeah. I, I saw that. I saw it like, oh! takes place partially in the F word and the S word appear in dialogue. Hmm. During one mission, players infiltrate a drug cartel, drug Far packages, Cry. and piles of white powder can be seen in a warehouse. What Far did you Cry say? 6. Yeah, Far Cry. It's not Far Cry. Uh, Mafia um, remaster. Call of Duty Black Call Ops. Call of Duty Cold War. Oh, yeah. it, is, it is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. <laughs> Let's talk about some games uh, that we've been playing, including a game that just came out today. Super Mario 35. I played several rounds of it today. Anyone else take it for a spin yet? No, I can't wait. What Did you get number one? It's cute. I've gotten number two a couple times, wow. but I haven't gotten number one yet. Uh, it's very cute. The Super Mario 35 conversation was unfortunately lost to a technical difficulty, so we will now move on to Star Wars Squadrons, and I'm whispering because my son is sleeping in the room next door. It's a, one of those, you know, I crave this type of game. I really, really like um, space shooters, and I really like uh, the Rogue Squadron games especially. Um, this doesn't have the same... Mm, one thing that I don't like about it is that it, it uh, is all cockpit-based, and I kind of like seeing my ship. That that is just the way I like to play it, and a lot of those games give you the option. But this is like, do you guys ever do you ever do first person in racing games? Like that doesn't even make sense to me. It, I, I like if yeah. I get in a car in Grand Theft Auto, like, and it's in first person, like I can't even drive. I don't know why. I just that's mm. just not the way I play games. But uh, for this, it, it forces you into that. So it's been a little bit of a learning curve, and then also like it uses in a good way every button in uh, multiple ways. Like there's so it's such an intense control scheme, which I think is really funny um, and good. I think that's what it should be, because I like learning this game and get, I feel like I'm getting better at it every time I play. So that's a good thing. Uh, that's a positive. And then um, finally, uh, Star Wars games still feel slow to me, aside from Rogue Squadron. If I'm in an X-Wing and like I throttle it up and I'm zooming past the Star Destroyer, there's like moments where it, fe- where it feels fast. But for the most part, it just doesn't. It just feels like I'm just kind of like too far from everything and everything's kind of slow. And I don't know what the deal is. I guess that's the reality of, uh, of uh, space combat. Um, in the movies, they make it look really fun. <laughs> but I think, I think there's, it's just hard to adapt, but I think being behind your ship and, and speeding it up a little bit would be the perfect thing for this game, but it's really, really cool. Does it feel anything like rogue squadron? 
Yeah, I mean, in the sense, well, okay, here's another comparison. Uh, so Rogue Squadron has really cool mission objectives. This, like, people will bark orders at you. They're like, you know, defend this part of the ship. Well, they they get in there and open it up. And so you're, you're kind of doing that. But um, so it has that. But Rogue Squadron added some this has this in a different way, but it has it has a kind of like a trophy mode that's not the in-game trophies, but it's like additional things you can do, like awards you can get for other things. But I like that Rogue Squadron, like they put like a collectible like in a really weird place. You'd have to like go way out of your way to get and mm-hmm. kind of like break the level and do it wrong to get like they just thought about the they thought about the 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 space of the level in in a, in a kind of a sandboxy way. And I thought that was really cool. This is more linear, go through the missions, um, but r- pretty well made. I have one thing I'll say. If I, man, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm dominating this. Yep. But one other thing I want to get off my chest: this game should have been saved to be an awesome console launch game with the best graphics ever. That that's what it should have been. And instead, we're getting this like one that looks great in PC, it looks great in VR. But like it, it I don't, I I disagree with with uh, some of our coworkers who are playing it because I think they're playing it on PC. I don't think it looks very good. And I'm playing it on Xbox One X, and um, things just look a little bit cartoony and flat, and it yeah. just it's fine. I mean, it is a $40 game, right? Yeah. yeah. But how cool would it have been if this was used as like, okay, it's a $40 <laughs> game. We didn't put a lot of time into the levels, but it's just the best looking game on the market. Because I remember like, I think Jedi Starfighter or something was that for Xbox mm-hmm. when the Xbox box launched. And uh, they just had like a really high. And then of course for GameCube with Rogue Squadron 2, um, they were like, like really cool showy, you know, Lucas games. And like, mm-hmm. that's what this game could have been. I think they kind of missed an opportunity there. But I'm sure it'll look great in the next-gen consoles. I don't know. I haven't played it on the... Justin, you're playing some Apple Arcade games? Yeah. I continue to believe that Apple Arcade is like the absolute best value in video games. Um, well, no. I want to immediately walk that back because, like, you know, <laughs> Game Pass. <laughs> Game Pass is really cool and, like, Humble Bundles are really cool. But, like... I, I like Apple Arcade. Everybody sleeps on it, like, um, uh, and I did too. Like, I, I talked about it a lot last fall. And then, oh, uh, there's a Samurai Jack came out from Adult Swim Games, and I've been playing Samurai Jack. So, uh, just some Apple Arcade sort of gems that I hadn't gone through in the last few months. I've been catching up on. Um, I've been playing them on iPad. Oh, and speaking of game saves, Apple Arcade does exactly what I was describing, where you can bounce between phone and ipad and uh apple tv where like you know i just pair my ps4 controller and just play it like a game console and um all the saves are seamless they're they're all just connected to your apple account and they just they go with you on whatever platform you're on so it's like being able to bounce um i took a trip recently so i like played on my ipad now i'm back on my tv playing through the game feels great mm-hmm. yeah you're totally right yeah. on. is that lion or no. justin's got yeah. No, that's mine. She's mad. She wants out. I'll let she her out in a out. sec. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're totally. You're totally right. There's like console favorite games uh, that are on Apple Arcade that I don't think people are aware of, like Shantae and the Pirates Curse, uh, which I played on Switch. Actually, came out on Apple Arcade first this year, and you got to play it. You know, as part of your five dollar a month subscription instead of the twenty or thirty dollars that's on Switch. And I would say probably legitimately half of the sorry Tina probably legitimately half of the uh, the games that were in the indie Nintendo showcase were mm-hmm. Apple Arcade games. They're they're Apple games that are being ported now, uh, including that claymation one and several of the other ones. Um, and like you know, I don't know, man. Like when you can play them with a the controller, uh, this uh, don't don't pay twenty dollars for them on Switch mm-hmm. or on Steam. Just get Apple Arcade; it's great. Yep. 
it's, it's kind of the same concept as um you know for tv shows or for movies that are exclusive all right on all right I'm gonna let my cat out. <laughs> um, but like queeby has apparently a couple shows that are worth watching but they're locked to those platforms so if you're not you know open to um you know getting outside of the realm of the comfort of netflix and hulu it kind of limits you in that way mm-hmm Okay. October 1994 issue of Electronic Games, the magazine of interactive experiences. It's uh, the uh, Hollywood meets gaming issue. Of course, everyone will remember this one. Very famous. (laughs) Oh, it's a classic 90s ad that's just trying to gross out the reader. Uh, This is an ad for uh, Gex, the Gecko, which is a Crystal Dynamics game. I uh, totally, I always forget that, but this is, uh, you see, there's a like a wasp on someone's tongue here, and the whole image is a really ugly shade of purple. Yeah, but it's because he's a he's a gecko, and that's what he eats, yeah. right? Yep. So like, that's, that's the joke. Also, you can show this to your mom, and then you can gross her out. Yep, yep, exactly. Please or your grandma. this video game. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So the, the letters section, here's a letter. Wait, from, go back. Yep. It says skanky nuggets. <laughs> skanky nuggets of just bug pointing, guts. Mm. Yeah. Just pointing that out. Man, Gex is just so cool. Yeah. I wonder what his brand is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, in the letters section, uh, a letter from uh, Joe in Chico, California. It says, ah, these computer game companies are driving me crazy. How can they get away with advertising their games and magazines long before they're even a quarter of the way from completion? Some don't necessarily advertise, but they really sneak previews to magazines, which are mostly just short animation clips and a description of, of what the game will be like. For example, I heard about front page sports baseball in numerous magazines, including a well-designed insert advertisement months ago. I called Sierra around May 20th, and they told me it would be out by July 15th. So I called back July 15th, and they told me not until the middle of September. The problem has been even worse with Bethesda and their new NCAA 2. I understand that these companies want their games to be perfect when they release them and that they want to get a jump on their competitors so they can advertise early, but this is getting absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Oh boy, wait for the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's upset. There's so much going on there. I mean, like the call, the calling companies thing is rearing its head again, which I love. Bethesda made an NBA game. I guess so. I guess so. (laughs) That's so cool. This guy is frustrated that, he saw a, a game, an advertisement in a magazine two months ago, and now it's still not out yet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Welcome well. to the world of announcements of announcements and teasers yeah. of, of <laughs> teasers of trailers. <laughs> uh, in the news bit segment, did you know Sega Enterprises o- opened Joypolis, its first theme park in Yokohama, Japan? The company plans several more amusement parks for Japan and one for the U.S. next year. Yeah, that didn't happen. I love this news bit. Uh, mayors build sim utopia attendees of the 62nd annual conference of mayors last june relaxed between conferencing by using sim city 2000 to build a <laughs> utopian city over 100 mayors cooperated to rid their dream city of crime while attracting industry developing the waterfront parks and mass transit mayor mike johans of lincoln nebraska found the game fascinating and challenging even though he had no prior experience with it and little history of game playing do you think so, they use the money cheat? <laughs> so apparently there's an annual conference of mayors. And they all yeah. played SimCity 2000 together. 
Yeah, they, they got do. Drunk. That reminds me. <laughs> they just made these horrible drunk cities. Um, BuzzFeed, I want to give them a shout out. They do a really cool video series where they have someone in a real profession play a video game version of that profession. So they had like an architect building homes in The Sims and Minecraft, and it's really entertaining and fascinating to see the ways in which they can apply their profession in 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 you know real ways and the ways in which video games the skill is not transferable in any way at all. <laughs> uh, I can tell line. the person that planned this conference does not have siblings because playing a video game with one or two other people really sucks. Uh, playing with a hundred people is just it's just a, like a nightmare I've had. Well, that's Tetris 99. Well, you're not working together on one screen to make the perfect SimCity. Here's a headline. Fighting games cross over. Two popular fighting games showed up in non-electronic formats. A book and a set of action figures. Street Fighter, the storytelling game, is a 196-page softbound book in full color. I hadn't heard of that one. (laughs) It is designed to be used as the basis for role-playing adventures Starring fighting oh. characters of Capcom Street Fighter games. Okay, so there is a tabletop Street Fighter. I guess so. Tyco Toys, meanwhile, introduced the Double Dragon action figure line, including Billy and Jimmy Lee, Vortex and Blaster, plus on the dark side of the coin, Shadow Master, Trigger Happy, and Sickle. I don't know. Wow. I think I feel I like 1994 is a little little after the the wave of Double Dragon popularity. Yeah, for sure. I, although that's probably right when the Double Dragon movie came out. Probably appropriately after the popularity of Double Dragon, which was like 1989. There's a whole segment on the ratings war. Uh, the third hearing on game ratings convened July 29th. So this is, you know, after the rise of uh, Mortal Kombat and Night Trap, when uh, they decided that video games had just become too explicit and too violent. They're actually having real hearings, mm-hmm. which would lead to lead to the creation of the ESRB. Although there's no, yeah, the ESRB will judge software for all platforms. Uh, so it actually says the text here, the IDSA proposes the Entertainment Software Rating Board, a freestanding organization made up of anonymous raters to be financed by a combination of rating submission fees and IDSA contributors. BSRB will judge software for all platforms, including cartridge-based CD, PC CD, and PC floppy disk systems. So just talking about the creation of ESRB here. Real mature video game uh, industry. Exactly. Real Policing mature video games but it says it's not a law and many retailers have said they will not carry rated products what <laughs> that's what it says doesn't it mean the opposite of how that? things are yeah i know yeah yeah exactly i guess if you're a retailer you're like i'm not gonna put something on my, this game that says adults only i've been selling it to kids all year all summer <laughs> yeah really hurts that's that's now. why right that's what that means I don't know. Here's an ad for a game called Slayer on 3DO. It's Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I, I, I just like that the whole point of the ad is to show screenshots of you approaching monsters and them getting bigger on the screen. I guess that's yeah. like that's supposed to be the selling point. I mean, that's probably like a 3DO animation that they're trying to show. Like it's actually yeah. rendering because the 3DO can do that. But there's yeah. a lot of 3DO in this issue. That was, I mean, high times I mean, for the. 3DO. Yeah, 1994, and I think this whole magazine, Electronic games is all really into like multimedia 3do and the phillips phillips cdi they thought it was going to take off yeah top coin ops from august 1994 figures courtesy of replay magazine based on an earnings opinion poll of operators sam do you contribute to anything like this today (laughs) 
No, I do not. That was a serious question. Uh, the best upright videos were Revolution X, which is the Aerosmith game, Mortal Kombat 2, and Virtua Fighter. So this is just arcade operators uh, telling what they think are the best games based on what yeah. how much money they're making, right? Their earnings, yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no... There's no trade organization or anything like that for CoinOp anymore because that industry has been devastated for so long. But uh, also, like, I, in in my experience being an operator in San Francisco, I don't want other people to know what's earning well in my games. Uh, and I want to get them to earn well and get them in places and earn well from them. And then uh, I don't care if other people are successful or not. That's how I build community. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, best deluxe videos, and I assume these are like big, like bigger sit-down cabinets, like the Star Wars arcade game. The best ones are mm -hmm. Daytona USA, Ridge Racers, and Outrunners, which is from Sega. All Outrunners is the only. I'm not familiar with. Oh, I guess Outrunners is Outrun, like some version of Outrun. Yeah, it, and it had like a little seat next to you as like a cute Sega cabinet. I saw one in like Tahoe last time I was up there. They're still around. Yeah. Best pinball machine, Sam. Star Trek. Number one, nice. Williams. Yeah. PNG. Table's great. Great game. Then Demolition Man. Mm -hmm. Another wide body. This is the, the Williams uh, uh, wide body era, apparently. Super pins is what they called those. Is Demolition Man the one that has a, it looks like a, a, a gun with a trigger that you fire the ball? Yeah, both. Yep. Both sides have, you can either play with the regular buttons or you can play with the trigger. And the trigger, actually, you get more points if you play the whole game with the big, they're like big metal triggers on top of the game. Very silly. And number three is World of Soccer from Midway. Uh, Do we know, I, uh, that's don't know that one? World Cup Soccer. We call that lovingly dog soccer. It's got a dog Why? in the back glass. Okay. Okay. It's, got a dog. okay. <laughs> it's like it has like Top. a cartoon dog, but it's like loosely, uh, loosely um, uh, soccer themed. It's pretty fun. He has a goalie and the goalie moves back and forth like this and you have to shoot the ball around him into the goal in the back. Lots of ramps. The top video games of July 1994, uh, top selling video games as compiled by Babbage's. On Super Nintendo, it was Super Street Fighter 2, FIFA, International Soccer, and Stunt Race FX. I'm surprised mm -hmm. to see Stunt Race FX in the top three. Well, they're pushing that FX chip hard after Star Fox, and that was like basically the only game yeah. that people remember. Yeah. Yep. On Sega Genesis, it was Street Fighter 2, Hardball 94, and FIFA, International Soccer. Of course, sports games did really, really well on Sega Genesis. Mm -hmm. uh, I like this. There's an ad for a game called Hell, a cyberpunk thriller starring Dennis Hopper from Take Two. I played this game. Really? A friend oh. and I, before the SRB rated games, went to uh, Best Buy and we're like, this looks like it's for big kids. And so yeah. we got it. And because uh, we thought it'd be like really cool and gory and, and, and possibly sexy. And uh, we played a lot of it, but it was a it's a point and click adventure game in the end, like a CD-ROM point and click adventure. So like, you know, you can't solve the puzzles. They're just too hard, especially if you're a little kid. And uh, so we called the public library to have oh them translate Latin. Like you it's could just amazing. call the library like <laughs> the Internet was barely around and you could, you know, do stuff like that. So we solved puzzles a bit that way. And then, of course, we gave up on it. I cannot That's believe you played this that. game. Amazing. And I, I don't know, know if you can make it either. out here. This ad has like a demonic head in the center of the ad. And then all these human bodies are falling into its mouth. And it's 
this yeah. is really weird. The human bodies are naked, and there's like full frontal nudity in this advertisement in this magazine. Ooh. It's unusual. well, now you know why it was easy to pick up without an ESRB rating. Yeah. Um, exactly. It also, uh, it, it also was like, it was right on the heels of mist. So it was like basically a mature mist that that's, mm. that's what they were going for with that game with Dennis Hopper. Yeah. How is with Dennis, Dennis Hopper's, Hopper. how is Dennis Hopper's performance? Uh, well, it was as good as the game or the movie that came out that same year. Waterworld. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, for the game doctor, some people have some questions. Uh, number one is what's the deal with project reality? That was, of course, the code name for Nintendo 64. Is it cartridge or CD? I hear it will be cartridge. What does that mean to me? Will the system be cheaper? Will the games be as good? Doc, I'll be frank with you. This has been a real strain on my nerves. (laughs) Just so stressed out about it over here. I know. The game doctor responds, believe me, Jim, I understand. The Ultra 64, formerly Project Reality, will originally be released as a ROM cartridge-based system. This means the price will probably be under $200 for the hardware. That sounds very cheap. I don't know that the N64 debuted at under $200. The real question concerns the cost of the software. Remember the Neo Geo with its $300 game carts? Well, considering the current amount of memory required to produce state-of-the-art software and the high price of memory storage on ROM, it is likely that those Ultra 64 games could wind up costing plenty, perhaps even more than many of the third-party publishers will be able to pony up because they'll have to purchase the expensive chips and pass along the cost to us consumers. Expensive chips. Well, they're, you know, they're worried about the cost of cartridges. Uh, I think a lot of N64 games were more expensive than PlayStation, but not like exceedingly more so. I think they were like almost double sometimes, which was a, a situation, right? Because like there was a lot of $40 PlayStation 1 games and then like yeah, Majora's Mask was like 75 or 80 bucks when it came out. There, there was some some bad situations. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> I, believe, I believe this is an ad we've seen before. It's for a Sega CD game called Panic. Uh-huh. And it's another, I, I guess the whole marketing uh, strategy is just let's let's gross out. Uh, gamers love gross stuff. Let's gross them out. And it just has a man laughing mm-hmm. so hard that milk is shooting out of his nose. There's a lot of, of gross course. out ads. And even Nintendo was doing gross out ads in this era and shortly after. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Plus it's the, the got milk parody, which is yeah. I can't believe it was that early. It seems more recent than that. It's kind of interesting. Uh this is an ad for a game called The Fortress of Dr. Radiaki. Radiaki. Not something I've ever heard of. Uh I just love this terribly rendered CGI uh alligator man. Yeah, it's pretty great. I have a story about this. So a friend of mine and I were in Best Spot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when worlds collide, Hollywood looks- meets gaming. What are you gonna say about something about Alligator Man? Oh, I just it looks like it. Like the little postage stamp screenshots make it look like kind of a cool Doom clone. I want to look this one up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it says, well, it says you are free to move in any direction and blast anything that tries to do the same in this virtual reality 3D world. Like move a- in any direction. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, this is their big cover feature when Hollywood meets gaming. Uh, I just don't understand the the design of this photo here. We have like a movie director using a no. film camera. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And there's just a giant super upside down Super Nintendo controller on top of it. That's supposed to be the reels of the film. Yeah. It's just a shape association uh, thing. I guess so. And Do then you know the, the camera has the big circle film reels above it. 
It, well, that's like you know, like I said, I think this is a perfectly cromulent ad. Okay, it's not an ad; it's a feature. Okay, is composition, and I guess he's filming the Hollywood sign. I don't know. So yeah, okay. that's just that's just art. So this guy, they're like, okay, you're going to be the director of photography or the director of the movie. That's who you're going to be playing in this photo shoot. Do you yeah. want to put on like a nicer shirt or like <laughs> anything like that? Nope. No. Nope. I'm good. I'm good in this t-shirt and backwards hat. I'm, <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm it's probably just that. someone that wrote for the magazine and they just grabbed him to do this photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, feature is actually not very interesting. We will not be diving into it. Okay. However, here's an ad for the Aura Interactor. Which is very the ad yeah. is very the copy is very hard to read. It takes explosions, yes, it is. kicks, and punches off the screen and puts them in your gut. And then there's even a lot more text that's much smaller that I can't even read. But this is like the first haptic. This is a haptic feedback like vest thing that you put over your chest. And it's supposed to make you feel the actions of the game. Yeah, yeah so it's a it, rumble pack for yeah. for yourself for your body. Yeah, and I think it's it was cool. actually, how did it know. Like, must it have? How did it know when to rumble? Like, it was it wasn't getting I data it, back from the game using sound, maybe? Yeah, it, sound. I think. Yeah, it takes the base track of the game and and kind of kind of does it that way. I the only encounter I had with this was in a thrift store, and it was in the box. And I, one of my deepest regrets is not buying that and bringing it to the IGN office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to. It try would have been so fun. Like the only I saw a couple. I think it like, takes like seven batteries. <laughs> There were a couple of reviews from, at, the, at the time from places like EGM that were actually pretty favorable. Not too. Terrible. I think you wear it on your back too, just, just like a backpack. Yeah. Got it. It's a whole page for net news. What's going cool. on on the net in America Online? According to the Wall Street Journal, McDonald's is going to be offering the ubiquitous Golden Arches online in the form of a downloadable <laughs> commercial in conjunction with the NBC online area on America Online. The logic behind this kind of action is murky at best, and an astute net maven might even consider it the sign of a sharp blow to the head on the part of McDonald's PR execs. PR execs. Only time will tell, but it seems pretty questionable that users are going to pay to download a commercial. According to the Wall Street Journal article, even McDonald's executives concede there's no clear motivation to download a commercial, at least in this initial experiment. Wow. <laughs> that was not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> like they, no one people are just like let's try the internet that's that's all that's happening here. it's like let's i try it. igm like in its proto form was formed like three years after this text was written it's unbelievable i know, I know. <laughs> uh there's a little bit about how america online is uh about to cross a million users and apparently uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards scheduled late summer online appearances, answering questions posted to a special prodigy area over the course of a week. So that would have been like a text AMA, huh? I guess, yeah, because there's no way they could have done like like a, a streaming video Q and A in '94, right? Wow. No way. There's no way. Here's an ad: If you switch to Sprint, you can choose any two Sierra games for free. Games like Le- Leisure Suit Larry. Police Quest, uh, Quest for Glory, Shadows of Darkness, which is an amazing game. And all you have yeah, to do is Sierra switch to Sierra was riding high in this magazine. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, a review of Earthworm Jim. They gave it a B minus. Oh. Yeah. They weren't too happy with it. We just did a... Um, well, I don't know if I can talk about the results of the face-off yet, because I don't know if we published them. But uh, I saw Earthworm Jim in them, and it was surprisingly high. 
people find that game in high regards? Um, yeah, I don't know. We've played those games, Sam, fairly recently. They're, they are kind of yeah, just okay. A B-minus might be just about right. Yep. Uh, they did a little mini-review of Contra Hardcore and Sega Genesis and only gave it a B, which is a little oh. bit surprising to me because that's one of the... I think it's one of the best action games on Sega Genesis. Yeah, you like that one? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good for Genesis. I don't think it's nearly as good as anything on the Nintendo uh, or Super Nintendo. I think it's better than Contra 3. Really? Yeah. Man. What about those Terminators? What about them? Uh, a review of TIE Fighter. Speaking of Star Wars Squadrons. Yeah, they love mm-hmm. this one. They gave this one an A. Yeah, one of the all-time greats. This is, this is the origin of the cockpit. One of the all-time greats, you say, but apparently not as great as Way Uh-oh. of the Warrior on 3DO, which got an <laughs> A+. Plus. Oh, boy. It looks to be oh, a digitized... No. It looks to be a digitized fighting game, a ripoff of a Mortal Kombat, and it got an A+. A monumental achievement in mega violence and is also one of the most viscerally exciting games of the year. The moral minority may claim that this naughty dog is barking up the wrong tree. Yes, it's a naughty dog game. But action gamers everywhere are bound to go out on a limb with them over Way of the Warrior. Wow. That is is a deep cut, and I don't know about it, and I'm really happy it's Naughty Dog. Which is also surprising because they gave Mortal Kombat on Sega CD a D. Maybe there's something wrong with the port or something like that, but still. It says fans of badly digitized TV commercials and gamers too lazy to enter enter in their Mortal Kombat blood codes may think this new edition is hot stuff, but the rest of the Sega world should be asking some hard questions about the wisdom of waiting for Sega CD editions of pre-existing cartridge games. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, not a great upgrade from the cartridge. This is an ad for ESPN Baseball Tonight on Sega CD. And can you can you see the the, the centermost screenshot? Yeah. Is it, yes. you that? Apparently, you can use deodorant in this game if this is real and not faked for this ad. It says players <laughs> choose from three different deodorant scents: original musk or alpine breeze. I think that's I fake. Don't, I, I don't think understand. I think they're making a goof about how realistic the game is. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I hope it's real. I choose to believe it's real. Uh, and finally, there's a write-up on a couple uh, video game books that were released. Super Metroid Unauthorized Game Secrets and the Doom Battle Book. Uh, unauthorized. I like how, so, you know, you could have an official guide. Like, we're the official guide for, you know, whatever, for Skyrim, for any game. And, like, some people would lean into the fact, like, they would market the fact that they were the unofficial, like, unapproved secrets they don't want you to know. Like, it's just a funny way to get around, like, not having the license to make a real game guide. Yeah, I have that book and a bunch of these books, and they're black and white and terrible. You have the Super Metroid one? Yeah, they're like, th- this whole series is like super, super cheap, pulpy, uh, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel strategy guide stuff. But they absolutely played up the unauthorized stuff. And they d- also did that, you know, very, very, uh, with very, very legal eyes, right? Because they that, there's not a single image of Metroid on that cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doom write-up is suspicious. It says, this game from id Software, based on its Wolfenstein 3D engine, is described as an action-oriented slugfest. Why does Doom need an introduction in 1994? Yeah, I don't get it. Doesn't the, you know, This person is being written by someone who doesn't it. know what Doom is? Yeah, weird. 
And that is the October 1994 issue of Electronic Games. Oh, and there's one. Um, okay, our uh, 20 questions suggestion this week comes from Clint Chico. And before we get to his suggestion, he has a question. It says, longtime listener and OG gamer, my first home console game was Combat for the Atari 2600. Yes, I'm that old. I say that to give my question a little context. I assume a great many listeners use streaming services like Xbox Game Pass to try out new games before buying. Clarification, uh, Game Pass isn't a streaming service. But do you hear from anyone who still rents games or am I single-handedly keeping services like Gamefly up and running? The reason I prefer renting over something like Game Pass is that my multi-family household has an Xbox One, a PS4, and two Switches. By renting, I can try out games for different systems, see if they're worth a purchase, or just something to play around with for a week or so in return. It's also a great way to find obscure games, hidden gems that don't get a lot of press, but turn out to be personal favorites. For the King immediately springs to mind, which the wife and I love. I've actually never heard of For the King. So that's the question. Anyone else out there still renting physical copies or just old guys like me who grew up going to Blockbusters? I posed this uh, question to the Facebook, uh, the games group on Facebook, and I did get responses from uh, several uh, GameScoop fans who are still using Gamefly. I don't know how many people still use it today. They had they reported a million users in 2015. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's probably dropped since then, but you know, it is still up and running enough. Enough people must still be using it. It's like $16 a month. I think that justification is really good. That's how I used to rent games. Is just I just try everything. And uh, not everything is on streaming services. That's just not the way the streaming services work. Or the mm-hmm. subscription services work. Yeah. I but think Gamefly I, has a lot more options. I, I, I subscribed to Gamefly for many years and really liked it. And I kind of didn't dawn on me right now that I think I only unsubscribed when I started working in this business professionally. And, um, you know, I still buy plenty of video games and buying games constantly but we also get you know we get them through our job and so then once i sort of had access to steam and and things of that nature and am able to sort of have the familiarity with games i need then i didn't need to rent them anymore but like you know it's a really really excellent option that you know hopefully it sticks around like it's 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 definitely on the ropes i know that um you can a lot a lot of libraries have video games that you can check out mm-hmm. it's we another have option that's super cool the ign office we we do have a game library. That's not available to the our listeners not of this show. Yeah, not even us technically. We should. Uh, I, I should look at what the San Francisco Public Library has uh, uh, game wise these days. I've, I've never looked into that. Their movie selection is unbelievably good, and TV and everything. So That's good. awesome. It is. It is really good. Does anyone anyone remember the last game that they rented? Uh yeah. Well, <laughs> it would have been <laughs> Nintendo sixty four games. I remember renting Castlevania sixty four for sure. Wow, I probably I, rented. I remember renting. I remember because I because. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I I probably rented my last game around the time the 1994 October uh, issue of Electronic Games came out. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I have floating around in my house. I have a copy of The Godfather for Xbox 360 from Gamefly and you know I guess I canceled my Gamefly or I don't know exactly what happened but it never got returned so <laughs> I have it and own it and so clearly like that I, I guess oh. that was the last one or one of the last ones I mean that would have been the game's good I would have been 2007 or 2008 around there yeah. yeah that's pretty funny okay Clint Chico 
also provides us with our 20 questions game and he has some hints for you he says i consider this a hard mode game maybe even boss mode because i've never heard it mentioned on the show never not once i will provide my own commentary on that i'm not sure that's true so <laughs> consider all that are we doing our he oh, also says he also says it's my favorite game of all time his clint's okay favorite. So with That's all that clue, said, though. with all that said, let the questioning begin. But does does Clint have good taste? Now that's that's what we need to suss out. Well, you need to know what that Kings game is. Um, is this a licensed game? No. Mm, is this part of or a bound. franchise? <laughs> yes, it is part of a franchise. Um. Could this appeared in that magazine? Uh, no, could not. Okay. Fair words, right? Looks like you talk about older games. 1994. Yeah. Hmm? Um, is this from before 2000? No. Is this particular title show up on this current generation? What? Wait, sorry. Can you, is it is it uh, on this current generation? No. Okay. It's not. That's five. Was this a platform exclusive? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nintendo. Yeah. Is this is this exclusive to a handheld platform? No. Ah. Is this a Nintendo platform that this game appeared on? Yes. Phew. All right. Is it a GameCube exclusive? No. <clears throat> no. Um, is this part of the uh, Mario Mushroom Kingdom? No. And that's 10. Mm. Still part of the All right. I think it should, should be well known ish. I mean, what, yeah. do, I want to know do we know, is it on, do we know if it's on the Wii? We don't know that yet. Yeah, it'd have to be on Wii, Wii U, or Switch, or not even Switch, because it's not on handheld, so Wii or Wii U, or just like some like obscure non-system. Well, is it exclusive to the Wii? No. Wii U. <laughs> uh. Yeah, ask, ask it, Tina. Is it exclusive to Wii U? No. What if there's a port right, out so there? What? So, it is, so it is an exclusive for a publisher, yeah. but what if it's also on a different console? Well, so it's it's not the idea is that it's not on a handheld and not on any of Nintendo's flagship systems. So I don't get it. It's on iPhone, maybe. Oh, would that count? Oh, yeah. Or, count that as it could be Mario Kart, the Mario Kart arcade game, or any of the arcade games. Is this an arcade game? No. Maybe it's a watch game. Well, if it came out after 2000, it could also be on the, the damn 64. Mm. Yeah, or... Um, I like the Game & Watch idea, too. Like, some kind of thing. But that would be handheld. That's boss mode. Or that would be boss mode, so... What yeah. about the... Uh, what about the e- an e-card reader game? Yeah. 
or um well here how about this is it on a non-traditional con platform no okay so then we're completely is it on the nintendo 64 yes and that is 15 (laughs) and and nintendo made it i mean so it's uh you know um some late wait do we know that nintendo or no sorry it's exclusive sorry yeah sorry sorry. yeah you want to yeah I didn't play. I mean, I, I played a lot of these games. But the only ones I ever think of are like your Conkers and your Banjo Tooies and you know the very final games on the sixty four. But um, maybe it's like one of those weird Rockstar games. I don't know if any of those came out late. Are the lead characters animals? No. Uh, Sin and Punishment, maybe. Yeah, that's a good guess. I man, was it really that late? Or like um it could have been it could have been a sixty four DD game that, that came out here on cartridge because it was really late. Um a sixty four game. Yeah, I mean if it was a Nintendo exclusive sixty four game and it's boss mode, this could be like the most obscure dumb thing. Like I I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna be hard for us to get. It, I don't you, mean dumb you know what it could be favorite it game could of be. all time. I just mean like we're not gonna get it. Well, I, Damon might have led us astray with the questions, but like Animal Cross, Animal Crossing came out on the N64 in Japan. In Japan, yeah. Or something like that, like mm-hmm. like uh, Doshin the Giant, <laughs> like you know, one of those weird games. Yeah, that's why I brought up the 64 DD stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's Star Fox Adventures that got ported to the GameCube that never came out in 64. Mm-mm. Man, I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Uh. Does this have characters in Smash Brothers? Uh, surprisingly, I think no. no. Wow. Total boss mode. Hmm. Um, is the de- should we ask if the developer still we should we probably just need to know the genre. Or we're not going to get it right. Yeah, that, that I can't think fair. of any. Um, do we lose Justin? Not no, yet. he's still there. Would it help if we just thought I like the animal question like that's that that can we just have to kind of take some shots in the dark here. Like, is it a sci fi game? Is it a driving game? Then just be done with it, because I, I, I don't think we're going to get it otherwise. Something yeah, we like only that. have two questions left, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was this well received. Hmm. Yes. Do you think could it be? I don't know how late it was. Could it be Space Station Silicon Valley? Yeah, I just don't know how late that game is either. But that has that, no, that, that. no, that stars animals. Oh, good point. Well, you're. I, <laughs> it depends on how mean Damon wants to be. You're a robot that can like <laughs> take over animals, right? Yeah. Well, I said lead um, characters, not necessarily protagonists, so that still counts. Yeah. yeah. It could be like an Excite Bike '64 type situation or something weird like that. Wave races are those? Any of those come out? It's part of a franchise. I like Excite Bike 64. I don't know when it came out, but I think that was pretty late. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Turok sequels. There were Turok sequels. They were pretty late, some of them. So should we just say if we mentioned this game and then end it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have we mentioned the game yet? No, you have not. <laughs> 
We did our best. I, I'm out of my Nintendo 64 library once I get to 2000. It's very, very limited. What was that weird in 64 game where it had these cube, cuby graphics and then it was all like, uh, it was like an ecosystem of like animals eating other animals. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't think of it. It might never come I'm, out. I think we should make the guess at like, just like, you know, bust a move or something like that. Shall I reveal the game? Sure. Released in 2000, yeah. in the year 2000, uh, developed by a developer, a developer called Quest, which is no longer in business. Published by Nintendo in Japan. Published by is it Atlas. No. Published by Atlas <sighs> in North America. It is a, a real-time strategy game, and it's the third game in a series. Okay. Um, yeah, it's and- Ogre Battle. It is Ogre Battle 64. Ogre Battle 64. Okay. A game that Good one. I own. A game I owned. A lot of a people's cool favorite game. game too. Yeah. IGN gave it like an 8, 8.8, I believe. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, I have Ogre Battle, Battle for uh, SNES, and it's pretty interesting. Kind of yeah. janky. Yeah. Wow, that was really hard. I didn't think it was impossible, though, because it was a game that I actually had. And it was well received. Yeah, we could have gotten there with maybe a little bit uh, locking in the system earlier and uh, maybe with RPG known. Yeah. I, I still, though, would have been. You, you fell into the trap of thinking that two th- after 2000 excluded 64. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've been told numerous times by, by listeners to <laughs> not do that, but <laughs> we're still going to do it. Yep. Sam, can cool. Clint Chico at you? Yes, please hit me up. I will congratulate you personally. Tina, I hope you start playing video games again sometime soon. Me too. I'm, I've become the lapsed gamer. Um, but Mindhunter is a very good show. Uh, we talked before we started uh, this taping that she's been watching a lot of Mindhunter, which is very good. Weirdly, my way of winding down from building furniture. Cool. <laughs> That's not a good wind down. I know. <laughs> it was uh, easy for me real to life. Mm-hmm. All right, that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. Under the yard.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.